Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on declaring Jubilee during the last week of its 418 time. Here we go. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to preach good news to the poor. I I lost where I was. He hath sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised and declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, say it about yourself. All right, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised and declare the acceptable year of the Lord. I was going to say that another way, the favorable year of the Lord. So today, we're going to talk about verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Before I do that, I've told you every week there's more to the story and I might share it all with you. How many people would like for me to share it all with you? All right? So I think that here the last Sunday of this series, it's 418 time, I think I'm going to take this opportunity to share with you the story of why I feel it's 418 time, why I think it's so relevant and prevalent to us right now. Um, back in, let's see, do I start here or do I start there? Let me start at the very beginning, okay? I'm somewhat tentative to give names because when God speaks, it's not about names. It's not about who speaks, all right? We don't worship men. I don't care how gifted they are because gifts are free. Gifts are free. Somebody can be gifted and be a scoundrel. They can be, and I'm not implying that about these men, but uh, I just, sometimes we get so caught up in man worship, we forget that those men are just mouthpieces for the God that we worship, right? But I'll say that there has been a prophecy for many years, um, and it's been been confirmed and just just really resonated, and, and it's been all over that in the last days, there'll be a billion-soul harvest. Like an end-time billion-soul harvest. And so this was, this was from Bob Jones uh, many, many years ago, that there would be a billion-soul harvest. There's some tentacles connected to this prophetic word in our area. There were churches that were sent out and men that were sent out and, and letters that were sent, like just really calling them to this purpose and saying, you're part of this billion so harvest, which is awesome. And so there's this Bob Jones. Bob Jones uh, is connected and, and, and mentored and, and spoke into someone named Rick Joyner. Anybody ever heard of Rick Joyner? Yeah. He's a prophetic voice in the body. And so, Rick Joyner is this prophetic voice. There's this um, 
guy named Paul Cain. Anybody ever heard of Paul Cain? If you look up Paul Cain, Paul Cain ran into some issues. Paul Cain was a human. Paul Cain was made of flesh and made of blood. And he was like all of us, tempted. And from what I understand, Paul Cain had some issues in the latter parts of his life and had to go through a season of restoration. And so it does not negate what God said through him. Amen? Because if that's the case, we could all go home. Because there's nobody to speak, especially me. Okay? And uh, so there's this man named Paul Cain. Anybody ever heard of Mike Bickle? I said I'd kind of hesitant to name names. I'm just name dropping all over the place here. But these are the story people, okay? Mike Bickle is over in Kansas City. Uh, there's an IHOP, International House of Prayer, for years now. Anybody know? I think it's been, I, I can't tell you the years, but they have been 24 7 having worship and intercession 24-7 for many years now in Kansas City, I hope. And these are popped up all over the country, okay? So it's a real movement of worship and intercession and the prophetic, okay? So there's this guy named Mike Bickle. Uh, how many people have heard of, I mean, let's just name everybody here. How, you raise your hand already. How many people heard of Prince Philip? He's not a preacher. <laughs> Prince Philip. Right? The monarchy. Anybody heard of Prince Philip? Okay, now we're getting there. Right. So there's this Prince Philip. All right. There's this guy, uh, Chris Reed. Anybody ever heard of Chris Reed? Chris Reed is, uh, is alive today. He's a young man, even to this day, and um, really known as a very uh, significant prophetic voice in the church today. So let me just put all these things together. So there's this expectation of a billion so harvest. Can anybody just, before we move forward, can we just dissect these one word at a time? Does anybody in here have faith to agree with me for a billion so harvest in the last days? I have to make sure we're on the same page as we go forward, okay? So we believe God for a billion so harvest, no matter who said it, can we just lay our faith with it and say we're believing God that that be, so be it, Amen. Billions so harvest, and we want to be a part of it. Amen. So we want to be a part of this billion so harvest. And so um, there's this guy named Paul Kane. Okay? And I keep wanting to call him Dean Kane. That's a movie star, right? But it's Paul Kane, okay? And here's what happens: Paul Kane is a prophetic voice in the church. Um, his mother, Anna Kane. Um, was 45 years old, and she had had five miscarriages in a row, Chloe. She had five miscarriages in a row, and the Lord had promised her a son. And she just kept believing for this son. Now she's 45 years old, still hasn't had a son, and she's had five miscarriages. And she keeps believing for this son. And, and she feels like the Lord told her, you're going to have a son. He's going to be a significant prophetic voice in the church. And so at 45 years old, she gets pregnant. She's eight months pregnant. <clears throat> she has, you can look this part up on Wikipedia. So we know that's 
like the Bible. No, but I think it's cool because you hear so many things in church circles, and I just think it's cool when you can just look at facts about people's lives and you can see some of those things confirmed that even those things don't deny. Isn't that awesome? And so if Wikipedia was around in, Bible, in, in Jesus' day, you would have probably seen a lot of misinformation, right? They wouldn't have posted everything. But Wikipedia actually says, a part of this story in a few minutes, that she was healed. I just stole the thunder of my story. But she had four terminal illnesses at the time of her pregnancy. Believing God for a son, five miscarriages, four terminal illnesses, and she gets pregnant, and she's eight months pregnant. She goes in. These things have progressed. One of them was tuberculosis. There was heart failure and two or three other things. I can't remember what the two other things. Breast cancer. Both her breasts were completely full of cancer, spread over her body. She, and it's so bad, eight months, one month to go, the doctor says, you're not going to make it to have this baby. You just, we need to call in hospice, just go home. I mean, I don't even know if they had hospice back then. He said, go home and die. Just go home, you're not going to make it, all right? She goes home, what, do I, what am I going to do? I've been believing for a son, I'm eight months pregnant, I'm one month away, five miscarriages, finally here, four terminal diseases. She's praying, her words, not mine, an angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, prepare to live and not die. You will bring forth this son, and you'll call his name Paul. And he'll be a significant voice, just like I've promised, to the church. She goes back in. She's radically healed. Everything healed. Gives birth to her son, Paul. Grows up to be a significant voice to the church, a prophetic voice. This is cool. She's 45 years old, four terminal illnesses. She lived. Paul Cain always counts the nine months in the womb. If you count the nine months in the womb, she made it past 105. And she never went to the doctor another time the rest of her life. 60 years. 60 more years, four terminal illnesses, right? That's healed. You know what I mean? That's healed. I mean, that just, that just, that, that is the grace of God pushes back. It never pushes back. Come on, just let this be a word. The grace of God, it says, where sin abounds, great much more abounds. The kingdom of heaven does not just push back to the, to the previous borders. When Satan tries to constrict, when God steps in, it pushes much more. So if you're being constricted, you are right in position to expand past where you used to be limited. 105 years old. About 90 years old, she tells Paul, I have a prophetic word for you, but I don't know what it is yet. But the Lord has told me, I'm going to give you a prophetic word before I die. And it's going to be the most significant prophetic word you've ever heard. And it's going to impact your life and it's going to launch the church into this billion so harvest. So, she's 104 years old. 
never give this prophetic word. And she goes into a coma. Paul Cain is connected to the Vineyard Church, and he's sending out all over the church to pray for his 104-year-old mother. Some people got offended by this. What about my mom? She's 73, and I want her to live to 104. Your mom's 104, man. Selfish much? But the reason he wanted to pray was not that his mother would live, but that she would at least come to to give him this prophetic word that he was waiting for. So here's where Mike Bickle comes in. I really didn't know how much this I want to tell, and we're just we're neck deep in it now. You want me to keep going? Or just tell? Okay. So Paul Kane calls Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle is alive today. He's in Kansas City. I think he's in his 60s, 65, 66, something like that right now. So now we're getting into a lot of people. Uh, um, um, Paul Kane died, I think it was uh, 07 maybe. Uh, in, he's, he lived to this century, but he, he's, di- he's died in the last 20 years. And so Mike Bickle is friends with this guy, Paul Kane. And uh, by the way, when Bob Jones was talking, uh, had a chance to, I think he met with Mike Bickle, or maybe this is Rick Joyner. I don't know this part of the story. But what he was told, Mike, was that when this harvest takes place, Mike Bickle will be an old man. But he'll live to see it. And his children would be grown, and his grandchildren would be in their prime. And so his grandchildren will be in their prime. Just a little side note. So Paul Kane calls Mike Bickle, says, can you meet me tomorrow? Mike Bickle's in Kansas City. Paul Kane's somewhere in Texas. can't remember where. Says, can you come be with me tomorrow? My mom's going to die tomorrow. And Mike Bickle's like, how do you know your mom? Oh, never mind. You're a prophet. Lord spoke to Paul Kane that his mom was going to die the next day. So... He asked him to come be with him. So Mike Bickle flies down there, and he's there with him. And he's in the room, and she's in a coma. And they're just in there talking. All of a sudden, she wakes up from this coma and calls Paul Kane over. And Mike Bickle says he was really uncomfortable. I mean, this is a mother and her son at 104 years old having a moment before she dies so he just stared at the wall. Well, he's staring at the clock on the wall. You know, hospitals all. I mean, it's just, I don't know, they have to have them, I guess. Digital clock on the wall. Stared at it many times while Jahan's had 28 babies. So he's just staring at this clock, just trying to give them their privacy. She leans over. She whispers something to Paul Kane, and then she dies. And you know, he, he knows when she dies, he begins to weep. And Mike Bick was looking at the clock, and it's 418. Well, they go home, and he's consoling his friend, and blah, blah. And they don't even talk about what she told him. Because he, he said, I can't ask what she told him. That's a personal thing, right? I can't say, sorry about your mom. What'd she say? <laughs> so he just kind of left it alone. So it's days later that... Paul Kane tells Mike Bickle this prophetic word. The prophetic word that she gave him was, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you. 
because he has anointed you to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty those that are bruised, and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. I forgot to give sight to the blind. Does that, and so this is like a few days later. Wow, Luke 4.18 is this prophetic word. So the church is going to operate in this anointing that will bring in this last day harvest of Luke 4.18. And so no one even puts... Now these are some of the most significant prophetic voices of the day. And I've told you before, prophetic people find prophetic in everything. Right? I mean, it's, sometimes it's a little out there. Right? Yeah. But, but these are some of the most prophetic people alive. And she tells him Luke 4.18 and she died at 4.18. But it's months later before they put it together. And someone's talking to Mike Bickle and says, man, when did she die? And he says, well, it's, it, was, uh, it was in April. It was three weeks ago on a, on a Monday, uh, 4-18, April 18th. April 18th at 4-18, she gives a prophetic word of Luke 4.18. That's powerful. So last year, around, not around, in on April the 9th of last year, 2021, a man named Chris Reed, who is a prophetic voice in the church today, Chris Reed, um, he goes, again, I say these names, I'm not endorsing these guys. I don't even know these guys, right? I'm just taking all these prophetic words that I've heard them. I know Mike Bickle, and Mike Bickle's telling these stories, and I know who shared this with me and confidence in him. And so I have researched and studied, and all of these things are true, these stories, verified. So Chris Reed goes on April the 9th, back in November of 2020, the Lord spoke to Chris Reed and said, when the prince has passed, it'll be 418 at last. When the prince has passed, it'll be 418 at last. You get it? So Chris Reed goes to Kansas City. He's with Mike Bickle. He had just met him a few weeks before, something with Rick Joyner, and so he had him come to his church. And he comes on April the 9th, and before they have the night meeting, they just had a morning meeting with all their staff, and Chris Reed gets up and he makes this declaration. He says, this is a prophetic word the Lord gave to me in November. I felt I'm supposed to release it here today. When the prince has passed, it'll be 418 at last. Now, this is the one man who was in the room. Are you with me? The one man that was in the room when this prophetic word was given on 418 at 418 Mike Bickle. And this guy says, when the prince has passed, it'll be 418 his laugh. Got it in November the year before. April 9th, meets him at his church, releases this word. That day, April the 9th, 2021, Prince Philip dies. Come on. The one man standing in the room, 418, 
<coughs> God gives the guy a word back in November before when the prince has passed. He tells him that word on that day. That day, Prince Philip dies. Some say he was buried on 418. But my research said 419, so I just had to throw that out. 419 is pretty awesome, though. Day after. But, so all this happens. So he looks at my Bigley, says, does that mean anything to you? He's like, it means a whole lot to me. Probably wouldn't mean anything to anybody else alive because the only other person that was in the room is not alive anymore. The other two people, the mom and the son, means a lot to me. When the princess passes 418 at last. So, back in October of last year, a father in our city called Jahan and I and said, I'd like to take you guys to lunch and talk with you. And he said, just think about this before we meet. Does 418 mean anything to you? <laughs> well, wanting to have, you know, the answer, I try to figure out 418. I looked at every book in the Bible. 418, 418, 418. But I came to Luke, I mean, I thought probably Luke 4.18 somehow, but it doesn't, I mean, means, what does it mean to me? So we go to lunch. He starts telling me this whole story, and he says, I feel that you and Jahan are instrumental and called for this season of history to usher in this 4.18. Last day, billion so harvest. God's appointed you. That's why you have children. Nine children. And those children are going to be in their prime. Bringing in this last day harvest. Because you're the middle generation. How many people know around here? What do we talk about all the time? Three generations coming together. Right? So he tells me this back in October. I listen to some of the stuff. I do these things and all this stuff, you know, and it's, it's prophetic words, and I love prophetic words, but, like, I don't just wake up and not work the next day because it's a prophetic word. You know what I mean? i got things to do still. And so, but it's Palm Sunday here. And I'm sitting down here, and they're leading worship, and I'm getting ready to preach on Palm Sunday. We were in the middle of the Empty series, if you remember. And I was so excited about that day. I had a message to preach. It was Palm Sunday. And, but during worship, like, my spirit just was drawn to the Monday after Easter. The Lord just kept taking me like, that's going to be a significant day, man. That's going to be a transforming day, like at the end of this, you know. And I'm just like, just consumed with the Monday. What is, what is the Monday? What's going to happen the Monday after Easter? What's, what does that mean for us? What's significant of that? And now I'm starting to not go to work the next day because I'm starting to, man, this thing's like, come, this is me. Yeah. And so I go through that. That night, I think, I tell Jahan, or no, I didn't even tell you. Didn't even tell her that night. So the next morning we're in staff and 
I start telling the staff, I don't know what this is, but I have this anticipation for this Monday after Easter. And so we got one more service coming up. I mean, we did invite fight. You guys brought over 200 guests on invite fight. I mean, there was significant stuff happening, yet I'm thinking about a Monday. Doesn't click to me. And I start looking that morning before I go into staff, and I realize that that Monday is April 18th the day after Easter. And all this stuff just starts just, just coming in waves in my spirit that we enter into a, a new season on that Monday where we begin to operate with the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord on us because He has anointed us to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, Preach deliverance to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised and declare the acceptable year of the Lord. So I say all that to say I might have lost some of y'all 20 minutes ago. If somebody started doing all this, they might have lost me 20 minutes ago. So you just... Grab a hold of whatever you can grab a hold of. Let's go back to the beginning when I had everybody. There's going to be a billion sow harvest. <laughs> Wait, I had more than that before I started. Wait, come on. Who's in agreement? We're going to be a part of it. I don't know what all that means. I don't know what all that means. But I receive it. I receive what was told to me in October of last year, I believe that I'm on the earth for such a time as this. There's a mandate on my life. I believe that my children are going to be in their prime bringing in this last day harvest. Billions so harvest. I believe the people sitting in this room are going to be significant in this last day harvest. I believe Redemption Life Church is going to preach good news to the poor. We're going to heal the brokenhearted. We're going to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. We're going to set at liberty those that have been bruised by the abusive relationship with religion. And we're going to tear down those strongholds. We're going to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. If you're with me, say, Danny, what? if you're with me, Amen. I <laughs> love it. I think for transparency, I've told about Danny and I's amazing fishing trips and catching boatloads of fish. Maybe that's intimidating. So for transparency, let me tell you, we went Friday night and sat out there and got skunked all night. <laughs> I said, Danny, let's go. You can catch bass like a man out of whatever. I was like, just go catch a bass, Danny. <laughs> I don't want to go home without it. So he goes and catches a few bass. I caught one too, a miracle. But we, that's not what we was going for. We got skunked on what we was going for. Man, it was a long, 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 long night. But just for transparency's sake, be encouraged if you're a fisherman that gets skunked. It's okay. Maybe you get a boatload next time. So today, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, where are we at? Sorry, after 12 o'clock. 
That's cool. It's all right. Let me just say this. In, in, in the Passion Translation, it says, I've come to share the message of Jubilee. For the time of God's great acceptance has begun. That's what I'm talking about. I just believe if there's going to be a billion so harvest, it's got to be a time of great acceptance. <laughs> and like I told you before, I don't think the world needs to know how bad they are. I think the world needs to know how much favor they have in the heart of the Father, how accepted they are and how much he wants to embrace them so they'll run to him from their pig pen. Let me paraphrase what I was going to share with you for the sake of time because I do want to I do want to I do want to touch on at least two things. I have come to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. If you go to Leviticus chapter 25, if you're taking notes, write it down. I'm not going to read it all. I was going to primarily look at verse 8 through 22. But Leviticus chapter 25 kind of gives these rules for Jubilee. What happened with the children of Israel, they were supposed to have every, after six years, they would have a, the seventh year would be a Sabbath. And they wouldn't work on the seventh year. They would store up on the other years and have enough on the seventh year. So it was this trust God to provide for them. A mandated trust. And so seven sevens, seven of these cycles of these seven years is 49. Then the 50th year would be a massive Sabbath. It would be called Jubilee. And this Jubilee year was so significant. Some of the things that would happen is in Jubilee, if you were in debt, you would come out of debt. If you were a slave, you would come out of slavery. Pretty much, if you look at Luke 4.18, that last line that says it's the year of Jubilee means all those other ones are negated. Amen. Right? You can come out of brokenheartedness. You can come out of captivity. You can come out, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's contextualizing that whole passage. Because of the time that we're in, that's why these things are available. It's Jubilee. So there would be this, let me just... Verse 10 says, So you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim a release throughout the land to all its inhabitants, and it shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his own property, and each of you shall return to his family. <coughs> Let's just skip down to verse 18. You shall therefore follow my statutes and keep my judgments so as to carry them out so that you may live securely on the land. Then the land will yield its produce so that you can eat your fill and leave securely on it. But if you say, what are we going to eat in the seventh year if we don't sow nor gather in our produce? Then I will so order my blessing for you in the sixth year that it will bring forth the produce for three years. Right? Because you're not going to reap the next year either. So you're... You, it's three years off on that 49th, 50th, 51st year. Are you with me? When you are sowing the eighth year, you, shall, you can still eat the old things from the produce, eating until the ninth year when, it, when its produce comes in. All right? 
enter into the year of the favor of the Lord, the acceptable year, the time of great acceptance, this jubilee. Do you know, how many people ever heard of jubilee in the Old Testament? Anybody ever heard of this, these principles? Anybody, like, you've kind of looked at it before, you know what it means before I even told you they come out, blah, 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 all these things. How many people know that there's no record of Israel ever doing a jubilee? This is one of the primary reasons why Israel ended up in captivity. They would not obey God and have jubilee. They would work, they would sow, they would reap, they would make sacrifices, they, but they wouldn't rest. What does he warn them every time before they go into the promised land? Don't fear their gods. If you fear your God, you'll rest. But if you're not resting, you'll be open. Come on, if you're striving, anybody that's going to give you a handout, you're going to let go to. This ain't political, but you can, if the shoe fits, wear it. It's cyclical in the history of the world. People are liberated and free. Then they become dependent on the government. And they become so dependent on the government, they're in bondage again. And then it takes a deliverer again. And so that happens. But they would not observe Jubilee. I wanted Mike uh, Jester, Michael Jester, to sing a song this morning. Kevin Wallace used to sing it back in Campus Choir. It's Jubilee. Mike Jester is probably the only person here that could sing it because he's got enough soul to sing it. Kevin Wallace had enough soul to sing it. But it's powerful, but who in the world wouldn't want Jubilee? Well, it takes trust. It takes trust. There's situations in my life that I have felt the most at peace. You know what situations those are? The situations that I have the least amount of control. You know where I feel most at peace? In my, in my points of reference in my mind of my life, there's two instances that come up immediately that I feel the most rest at. When I'm out of the country in Guatemala and I can't speak the language and I don't have a car, and I can't go to Walmart. I mean, I tested it this last time we went. I was like, you know what? The, the more I go there and the more I know people and the more liberties I get, I, I, I get more like I try to control it, you know? So I'm like, no, I, you can't get building materials? My goodness, how hard is it to get building materials? Give me a car. I got a car. <laughs> it's hard to get building materials. <laughs> We spent all day long trying to get like three little PVC pipes and some boards. And I mean, it's just difficult. Things are different. There is no Home Depot or Lowe's. I was like, bro, y'all need a Home Depot <laughs> or Lowe's. 
I always have Sailor Lowe's because Lowe's, Lowe's pays ties here. Right? So, but anyways, but I get there. I don't know language. I don't know all this stuff. Like I'm literally just a sitting duck. And so I have to turn that switch off. That moving, shaking Michael switch off. Michael can't do nothing here. Whatever John tells me, or Juan tells me. I'm not saying his name two different ways. There is a John and there is a Juan. And they both are kind of, or, or uh, oh my gosh, what's my friend's name? Juan's dad. Come on, Pablo, or whatever Pablo says. I just got to do whatever they say. But there's a point when I finally resign that I can't do anything. I told the team this last mission trip, I'm like, they're like, what's the schedule? I'm like, I don't know. Like, and I really like to have a schedule, especially on mission trips to make sure we get things done, but they just haven't given me one. We just don't have a schedule this time. And I can just rest. Here's another crazy one. In the hospital. And the doctor says, you got to stay overnight. When we took, we've had two babies at NICU for... That belly rubin, billy rubin, <laughs> belly rubbin. <laughs> and they're in, the, they're in the NICU. And, you know, Jahan, I'm not saying Jahan has more issues with control than I do. <laughs> but, but Jahan's trying to change the doctor's mind and trying to make it happen. And then every day saying, today's the day, what time? And I'm like. This is the most at peace. I mean, we have an authority. You can't take your baby out of NICU. You can check yourself out of somewhere, but you can't take a baby out of NICU. You're going down hard. So I'm like, this is it. Chill. But those two points really stand out to me. When I have the least amount of control over the outcome of my situation, I can rest. They weren't willing to not determine the outcome of their own situation. God, Lord, oh, you don't want to have freedom? You don't want to be really free? You see what I'm saying? When you surrender control, you're really free. Well, if you don't want to be really free, then let's just put you in Egypt. So they wouldn't have a jubilee. Hey, guys, listen. Next Tuesday, I'm going to wipe every... I've got a financial donor that's coming in. I'm going to wipe everyone in this building's debt out. If anybody has any debt at all, we're going to wipe it out. How many people are going to show up to, to, to Tuesday? They wouldn't have a jubilee. What if I said God wants to wipe out your debt if you'll surrender control of your finances to him? He'll do a miracle, and he'll change your life. How many people want to do that? Does your giving reflect that? I believe this is a year of overflow. I believe this, I mean, you just spoke it, just confirming what I believe. It's a year of overflow. It's been confirmed last year. Man, we were trying to raise money for these sprinklers, and $2,200 came in. 22,000, sorry. Man, sorry, Lord, I was downplaying your... <laughs> Trying to raise 50,000, 22,000 extra dollars came in. 
And yeah, it's like the 418 that didn't click for me for a few minutes. And some prophetic voices said, 22,000. It's 22. 22 is going to be this excess overflow year. But are you willing to surrender control? Are you willing to risk it for the biscuit, I say? I've had people tell me, man, I couldn't live the way that you live. I don't have faith to live that way. And I'm not some massive whatever guy, but just some of the decisions I made and someone knew about that decision or giving or they said, man, I couldn't live that way. I don't have enough faith. I was like, I don't have enough faith to live like you. Where I can make enough and do enough and be enough to provide for this family God's given me. I've tried it and came up wanting. I found that giving is the most amazing way. It's like a shortcut. It's like a back door to a throne. So, what if you worry about what you're going to eat? Matthew 6, we were going to go there. Take no thought. Be anxious over nothing. Right? Seek first the kingdom. But it's jubilee or it's not. Some of you may have got sidetracked by 418 and naming people and prophetic words. Just the word prophetic may have sidetracked you. (laughs) What is this? Prophetic? What? Some of these things all may have sidetracked you, man. What's he trying to do? What's he trying to say? All this is just too out here, everywhere. But do you want freedom? I believe it's overflow. I saw a picture this week. If we want overflow, you know, there's a place in Scripture, and I don't remember the passage right now. Somebody can probably yell it out. One of you guys, preachers up here. You build bigger barns. Build bigger storehouses. Now, you coupled together with what I said last week, the bruised, abusive relationship where the Midianites come in and take it. So you're planting more, you know, sowing more, doing more, and building barns for expectation, and then at the end of the day, you have nothing to put in them. That's what I've discovered when I try to do it. But when I just bring it into his storehouse and I just give it to him, when I sow it into him, when I sow it into others, when I give it away, I'm amazed because it overflows. Here's the point. If you're spending your time trying to make more and store more, then you're not signed up for overflow because you don't have an overflow valve. Are you with me? Come on. You don't have an overflow valve. You're not saying, Lord... I want to overflow. So if you pour it on, it's going to get on everybody around me. You say, Lord, pour it on. I've built a bunch of barns to store it all in, and I want it all. Then you're not, come on, forget all the prophetic. Forget all, you know, you can forget everything. Does that picture make sense? You're not positioned for overflow. You're positioned for increase. 
But that is storing up treasure where moths and rust decay and destroy. So all that happens is it comes in or it gets stolen before it even goes in. Are you with me? I mean, it's not, it's not you're going to get a bunch and if you want to give it, that's your choice. No, it's, it's always going to be lack. It's always going to be never enough. And I don't care if on the books it looks like you're loaded. Anybody in here ever been loaded and empty? Come on, he wants you to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. This is more than just money. This is all the way around. But are you willing to position yourself for overflow? It's surrender. We say all the time giving is an invitation to God to come into our finances. Is he invited into your finances? Are you willing to trust him in Jubilee? See, because before they ever got to cancel all the things, they had to not harvest for a year. Come on, Jubilee was in the second year of the not harvesting. Are you hearing me? Because the 49th year was the Sabbath year. And Jubilee would be a second year of that. They never got to the second year because they never got through the first year. Because they couldn't rest. And you can't rest because you can't trust. So I'm just inviting you today. Does anybody remember the last time I've talked about giving? Anybody in this room remember the last time I talked about giving? I'm not trying to beat anybody down about giving. Nobody even remembers it. I don't even remember it. I don't even receive the offering anymore, so you can't say I'm the one that talks about giving. Come on. I'm not trying to get anything from you. Give it somewhere else if you think that, but give. Give it to somebody else, but give. I want to see overflow. I want to see overflow in the people of God's lives. I want to see trust and rest. It says um, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, write that down, 1 through 11. My goodness, it's time to go. It's awesome. Hebrews 4, Jesus, rest, God rested from his work on the seventh day, right? But he says... They will not enter into my rest because they've not listened. They didn't put faith with what they've heard. Let's just read. Now, the promise, verse 1, of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fall, fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard did not affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. We believe and we trust. Man, I just invite you to Guatemala with your finances. I invite you to the NICU with your finances. I invite you to a place where you've surrendered control and you don't have a choice. 
But he'll always give you a choice, but you put yourself where you don't have a choice. As for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. We're going to surrender control of our finances. We're going to listen and believe God, and we're going to obey, and we're going to rest in obedience. Without obedience, there is no rest. And without faith, there is no obedience. Without trust. Kind of say this, it says they return to their own families. Some of us, when we begin to trust God with our finances, our families will get us back. Some of us, our spouses will get us back when we start trusting God with our finances. You don't have to be prophetic. You don't even have to know the Bible. You don't even have to know John 3.16 to know this is true. The number one killer of marriages is finance. What if you let that go? What if you trusted God and you saw overflow in that area of your life? Your family gets you back. Your spouse gets you back. Second thing I want to talk about and we don't even have time. But they forgave, they forgave debts. So Jubilee never happened because they couldn't rest and they couldn't forgive. Many of you are sick in your bodies because you don't forgive. Some of us are so eat up with offense and anger and frustration that our family wouldn't even remember who we were before we let that thing enter in and fester us. If we would forgive, our families could get us back. And if you could forgive, you could get some of your family back. You stand up with me. I'm going to stay. I'm going to honor your time this morning and we're going to 12.30 on the dot. I thought it was important to share with you the story today of this 418 and where it came from and what's in my heart about it. Give and forgive. My desire is twofold. I believe lack will never be our problem. And God will always provide. And He's been faithful. We planted this church. I mowed grass and drove a school bus. Where's Lisa at? School bus driving partner. Whatever it took, God's always provided. Always provided what we needed. Always provided next steps. But it's hard for me to separate the two. I want to see the church be able to do more financially. But I want to see the people of God 
be able to do more financially overflowing and there's it's not one more than the other lord i just want to use these people to build this church it's not one or the other it is simultaneous the passion is equal it's the same i want to see i just want to see financial freedom i really do i want to see rest i want to see jubilee But I know that I know that I know there's no shortcut. There is no shortcut. I've discovered it. You can't work hard enough. You can't do enough. You can't be smart enough. You can't. But you can give and 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 give. Give to where you're like, you're in Guatemala, you don't know the language. Has anybody ever give to a point where you still couldn't control everything? See, we give just enough where we can still be in complete control of everything. Do you ever give till there's not enough left? That's rest. If you've never tasted that genuinely, it hurts my heart that you've never experienced that. Because that's when you see Him come in and he provides and then all of a sudden all the weight leaves oh, it just takes one time it just takes one time of giving to where you no longer have enough and watching him provide to you it breaks that mentality that I always have to get enough for myself and then you'll start to believe he'll always take care of me no matter how much I have and then you'll get crazy with your giving so again you don't have to give it here But if you love it here and you believe in it here and you're fed here, then you should here. But you don't have to. This is not about getting money. Let me just say one more thing. Acceptable year of the Lord. I think we got to start giving to people who don't deserve it. So that they see this favor. Because He gave to you and you didn't deserve it. You've entered into this favor. I'm talking about some servers who are tweaking and you think maybe they're going to spend it on drugs, but you just give it to them anyways because you want to break something off of them and let them know that the favor of the Lord is here. Come on, I mean, we got to start giving. Buying people a tank of gas, John. we got to start giving, not knowing whether they're going to do good things with it or whatever. And I'm not talking about being crazy and squandering money, but I'm talking about giving prophetically sowing it into somebody's life that it would produce a tree of righteousness in them. So they'd be like, what? Why would you give something so extravagantly to me? Such as I have received, so I give. He's extravagant. I have zero clue what to do right now. So, just take us.
the same spirit. And it's in Matthew chapter 6. If you worry and you're trying to control, then even the heathen, the orphan, it says, does that. The fatherless does that. They don't know they have a father that takes care of them. You don't give and you can't forgive. Not forgiving is the same as being stingy because you want to hold debts so that you know that you have an excuse. Come on. Give and forgive. Lord, we just surrender today. We surrender control in every area of our life. Lord, I want to be a dad to my family again. I want to be a mom to my family again. I want my family to get me back. I want my sons and my daughters to come back, to come home, Lord. I just forgive and release. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube 